Father, we thank you. Lord, we love you. You've given us so much. We praise you. And Holy Spirit, we feel your presence. You live within us. You always exalt the name of Jesus. We are so thankful, so grateful for all that you've given us. We're thankful for where we have been, for where we are. And we're so thankful for where we're going. We give you praise and honor and glory. Hallelujah. Aren't you all thankful for where God has brought you from, to where you are today? And he's not finished. He's going to take you the rest of the way. No matter what obstacle, situation, circumstance you face along the way, he's going to be right there with you. Sometimes it doesn't seem like the obstacle is gone as fast as we want it to be gone. But God will take you through that obstacle. He'll take you around that obstacle, over that obstacle, or he'll remove that obstacle. But either way, you're going to complete the race that God has for you. Now I want us to pray for anybody here today that needs healing in your body. The Word of God is so clear. It is the will of God to heal. The Word of God declares that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. And that once we receive that healing, we begin to confess that. Woman with the issue of blood healed the moment she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus. She knew if she could touch the hem of that garment, she would be healed. The Roman centurion, such a powerful statement that he made, that Jesus said, I haven't seen this great a faith in all of Israel. The Roman centurion said to Jesus, you don't have to come to my home. I feel unworthy to have you in my home. But if you'll say a word, my servant will be healed. How many of you believe that it is the will of God to heal those people that will have faith in Him, that He will heal them. We are believers. We believe sickness and disease is of the world and of the devil and of powers and principalities. If we believe that we are healed by the stripes of Jesus, right now, this moment, I believe it is the will of God to heal every single person that is facing something in your body. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you all over this church. Now get it up real high so we can see it. Now believers, I want you to look around at all of these hands that are lifted right here in the second row, all the way back here, three or four hands. Don't let us miss you. We don't negate what doctors say and we don't negate what reports are given, but we do trump a report with a higher report. And the higher report is that we declare that by the blood of Jesus, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. We speak healing at this moment. Blind Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus and they told him to shut up. But he would not stop. We speak healing into your life. And just as blind Bartimaeus was healed, he received his sight. The woman with the issue of blood, the blood stopped. The Roman centurion's 
servant was healed at that very moment. We speak healing into your body now. Healing. We bind sickness and disease. We loose the healing power of Jesus. We declare it and we decree it in the name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, now I want us all to make this confession. I declare, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Let's give God a hand for what he's given us. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. How many of you are with us for the very first time? Can we see your hands? One, two, three, four. Anybody else I missed? Five. That is pretty good. Let's do it again. We are glad. We are glad all of you visitors are with us every Sunday, 9, 11 o'clock, midweek service, 6.30, great children's ministry, youth ministry, and we are glad that you're with us today. For all of you visitors before our service, we make a confession. Uh, we started this one new in January. I really like it. It says, ready? One, two, three. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. I have the victory in right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Glory to God. Let's give the Lord a hand. Now just to humor me along, I do have our old one memorized. So let's say it. The word of God, word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the word, I, the word. I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, you can get it. Good, you can be seated. Good to have all of you with us. Honey, I still mess that thing up. I'm going to get it, though. Before the end of the year, I'm going to have that down. <laughs> Do you want to share a word? Uh, you, were, you, you want to share a word with this service, too? You did with the last one. Uh, Pam has been out to Tulsa for about a week and uh, at the Victory Conference. Victory Conference. Used to be Victory Word Explosion. You look pretty. The word did explode, but they call it Victory Conference now. Did you? You went right over. I said you look pretty. Thank you, honey. Appreciate it. I'm setting the groundwork for later on. I know you are. He's such a blessing. Uh, I was gone like for a full week, and since we came back here all those years ago, 27, since we left Victory out there after being on staff for several years, came back and pioneered this church. That's the first time I've gone and sat all week through every message that was preached except for one night when I had to go see my new grand, great-grandbaby. <laughs> but every other night I was there. And, uh, you know, when you sit in the presence of God, everybody say in the presence of God, uh, all day, you know, morning, and then you go back in the evening, sit in it again, and in between you have lunch with people that are sitting in it with you, uh, you're encouraged in your spirit. And uh, out of it, I heard a lot of things that, Bear witness with my spirit that God's doing. You know, sometimes when you're off to yourself, you feel like maybe you're the only one hearing that. But when you get with other believers that uh, are leaders, especially this was part of it was a leaders conference for those of us who are ordained through that ministry, uh, you begin to be encouraged and think, I am hearing what everybody else is hearing. And everybody say, God is moving. Where you can't see, where I can't see, whatever God said he's going to do, he's going to do it. 
And so we just have to remain faithful, just like that song. I love that song, Find Me Faithful. Faithful is living in faith, is believing what God has said, keeping a focus on that. And uh, one of the messages was on being in the middle. And uh, in fact, two of them. I thought, God, you're really trying to get the point across. The first night the man spoke it. The second night the other guy spoke it. And so they don't even know each other, but, you know, aren't with each other, but they both spoke the same thing in a little different way. But it was the same message. And when you're in the middle, and you can see where God's told you to go, but you're not there. But you look back, and you can see where you've come from. Everybody say, I can see where I've been. How many of you know you've come a long way, baby, <laughs> with God? And so, you know, when you have that focus, you keep going forward because you recognize that that distance behind you isn't nearly, uh, it's much bigger than what's in front of you. So you can just keep pressing through. And the one thing that uh, Stephen Furtick said about being in the middle, he said, God may not always get you out of your middle. How many of you have ever wanted to escape the middle? <laughs> How about we just go from here to there? But, but God doesn't, doesn't necessarily always get us out of the middle. But what he said is, he's coming in. So wherever you are today, know God is coming in to whatever it is you're in, in the middle. And when God is with us, who can be against us? Amen. Keep moving forward. Good word, honey. Good word. Did we announce about Rodney in this service? <clears throat> okay, I'm going to read it from the bulletin because Rodney Dillian, our nephew, uh, police officer over at Purdue University, Rodney had placed third in the world at this year's CrossFit, qualifying him, uh, that was in Los Angeles, to go on into competition in the World Police and Fire Games. Uh, and that he would then go to the finals and compete against the five fittest police officers and firefighters in his age division in the world. And Rodney won the gold and won first place. Hallelujah. We need to thank God for that. I don't know how many of you uh, know much about CrossFit, but when Rodney and I were in Israel... Uh, he had to work out. He could not miss a workout. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go with you because I don't know where you're going. We're just jumping in a cab and going somewhere. We end up in this little alley, actually, but Rodney did the whole routine, and I watched him, and it's like, whoa, that is really, really something. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. You are in the right place. We're going to begin reading in Hebrews chapter 3, but the message today is what are you framing? And a frame, as we know the word frame, uh, enhances a picture or whatever it is that we're framing. I have a picture in my office that, uh, that Pam never likes for me to talk about. I don't know why Pam doesn't like the picture like I do, but it's a pr beautiful picture of Pam on the beach just looking out over the, <laughs> over the water. What did you say? It's me blown up about this big. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like you blown up. I, like, I, I, I get to see more of you. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture. It's reflective of her just looking out on the water. And I felt like it was just one of those moments when I took the picture. It wasn't a really good camera, but it was just one of those moments. And I couldn't see what I took until I got it back and got it developed. This was several years ago. But when I finally brought it back and got it developed, I was really excited. It was just beautiful. It was almost a spiritual moment. It just really caught my eye when I saw the opportunity 
And so then I, I had it in regular size, and I tried to find a frame for it. And how many of you realize a frame can make or break a picture? Uh, you get the right frame with the picture, and, uh, and, and number one, I couldn't find the right frame, and the picture was too small, so finally I, I blew it up, and then I tried to make a little frame to buy some stuff, and it just didn't look good at all. So finally broke down, went to Hobby Lobby, and spent a lot of money on a frame, but I got it framed, and it's beautiful, and I love it. And by the way, I think everybody should support Hobby Lobby. They are standing for America, and they are good guys. But uh, anyway, I got that frame. And I have it back on, on my wall there, and I, and I absolutely love it. Framing is important. Everybody say, framing is important. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible, it says that God framed the world by His Word. God framed the world by his word. They're going to have it up there for you in just a second. And, and, and it's so important to understand that is how it all started. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. It sounds like a contradiction, but what it's saying is that God decided that he wanted the world and he spoke it into existence. That is really Romans 4.17. God speaks things that are not as if they were. God frames things based on his word. And you and I are continually framing things. And I thought I knew what frame meant when I was reading that scripture over the years, and, and, and I've read that scripture before, and I've probably taught on that scripture before. But until I looked it up in the Greek, I didn't really have an understanding of what that really meant in the Greek. The word in the Greek means to set in order. And uh, I believe it means to set in divine order. So what it's talking about is when you frame something, you set the situation in divine order. How many of you would say that in the world today, there is a lot of disorder? Uh, you, your hand should be raised. How many of you would say that in America today, there seems to be a lot of disorder, a lot of things going on? And we need to pray that our country gets set in order. We need to get pray that the world gets set in order. But most importantly, we need to pray that our lives get some order to it. Turn to your neighbor and say, your life needs to be framed. And it needs to be set in divine order. What is the divine order? It's what God says. And the Word of God is very clear on what He says about you and I. Sometimes, myself certainly included, we have a tendency to look at the challenges in our life, at the giants that are there, at the mountains that are there, at the things and situations that aren't going right. There seems to be, in my life, something always not going right. Can I see the hands of all the people you would agree? Now, can I see the hands of all the people? There seems to be something always going right in your life. Can I see your hands? So therefore, we have two situations that we can look at and frame. We can frame what is going right, or we can frame what isn't going the way we thought it would. Some people are negative framers. Some people are positive framers. I don't know if you heard the story, I'm sure I've told it in this church before, of the little boy 
the second grade, he comes running home to his mom and said, I got a big test tomorrow. And, and, and his mom said, you are, do? And said, yeah. And he says, Mom, I'm going to do terrible on that test. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to fail. And his mom said, you need to be more positive than that. That is not a great attitude. You need to be more positive than that. Little boy thought about it for a moment, looked back at his mom and said, you know, Mom, you're right. I am positive I'm going to do terrible. I'm positive I'm going to fail. Now, that is not what God wants by us framing the Word of God. But if you understand, now, this will change your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need your life change. Only, not because you haven't been doing a good job, but because of where God wants us to go. Sometimes we can kind of get in that middle and stay in that middle that Pam was talking about. Uh, I didn't see that whole message, but, but sometimes we can, we can just get where we are and we don't want to go any further, but yet we really do. But we're going to have to learn how God wants us to operate. And in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that you and I should be imitators of God as dear little children. Imitators of God as dear little children. What does God do? He speaks things that are not as if they were. When I was in the hospital years and years ago, this lady told me that I had a, a little blockage and that I needed a stent, Dr. Ishmael. And Dr. Ishmael is no longer around here. She's a sweet little lady. I liked her. Uh, but, but, but she thought that... Uh, I, I, I explained to her that I don't have time for heart problems. So, so what else could it be? And, uh, and, and so she's standing there by the bed, and, and she said, what? She acted like she didn't hear me, but I know she heard what I said. I said, what else could it be? I, you know, I don't have time for this. And she said, well, it could be something to do with your esophagus, I guess. And I said, I'll take that. That sounds like it's a little bit easier. And she looked at me, and, and, and she was not a, she was, how many of you realize some people just don't seem to have a sense of humor? She's a nice lady, but she was one of them. And she did not have a sense of humor, but I wasn't really being humorous. I didn't want a bad report. I wanted a good report. And sometimes we want a good report, but we receive something contrary to that. And so what we've got to do is frame what we believe. And I said, I am believing that that report is not the right report. And she said, now she knew I was a minister. She thought I was a crazy minister, but she knew I was, I was a minister. As, as she looked at me and she said, you know, Mr. Mickler, denial is not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> I thought, well, by golly, she does have a sense of humor. <laughs> and, 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 but I, I don't think it was denial. I'm looking for a good report, and so should you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm looking for a good report. And in the midst of a report that isn't good, then we need to decide what is the will of God going to be. I don't think that it's wrong to take medicine, but I don't think it's God's best. I don't think it's wrong to have surgery, because I don't, but I don't think it's God's best. I think God's best was that you and I have divine health, and that you and I walk with divine health in our bodies. I've had surgery. I take medicine, so I'm okay with it. But I believe that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus, no matter what a report says that comes in, even though there's nothing wrong with getting a report from a doctor. But the same thing is true with your bank account. How many you realize that the Word of God says that you have abundance in your life for every good work. John chapter 10 verse 10. So therefore, that's what we're going to frame. So let's say, I have abundance. Now don't go look at the giant of your checkbook and say, oh, oh, I just made a bad confession. No, you made a good confession. You're speaking something that perhaps is not as if it were. You're speaking the Word of God. And I want to share with you just a couple of things here that I know I've shared before over the years, 
But in, in Numbers chapter 13, and if you're following an outline up there, I'm way off on the outline. But in Numbers chapter 13, it's verses 30 and 31. There are two really powerful scriptures that really shows what can happen when you frame something other than what God said. Now remember, God speaks things that are not as if they were, but a lot of people speak things that are as if it's going to stay like that. And this is the story of God's people on the verge of going into the promised land. They're ready to go, and God informs them, I want you to send out 12 spies, and I want the spies to come back and bring the report to the people and see if it's not a land flowing with milk and honey and all of the things that God says it would be. And the 12 spies go out, they come back, and they all see the same thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all see the same thing. You can sit here today and you can say, I believe the word of God. I believe the abundance of God. I believe God wants to bless me coming. I believe wants to bless me going. I believe I have divine health. I believe my kids are going to serve the Lord. And then all of a sudden something happens and you see something that doesn't work. What you've got to do is frame that situation with the word of God and speak something that is not or is not as if it were. And what happens in is that we are confronted with what am I going to frame? And these 12 leaders came back, 12 spies, 12 leaders came back being told before they went in, I'm giving you the land by God. They were told, be of good courage, be of good courage. So they knew exactly what the will of God was. Now they have a chance to come back and give a report to the people. They are leaders. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you always have a chance to give a report. We are always reporting. We're telling people, hey, how are you doing today? Well, under the circumstance. No, you're not under the circumstance. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. So therefore, we're going to frame what we know is the will of God. Ten of the spies came back, and they described what they saw. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is everything God said it would be. But we saw the descendants of Anak in the land, and they have fortified cities. That was not a bad report. That was what they saw. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I know what I see. That was not a bad report. Caleb basically and Joshua gave the same report. They saw the giants. They saw the fortified cities. They saw the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw everything that God said, but what they didn't expect was the fortified cities, perhaps, are the descendants of Anak. Whether they did or didn't expect it or not, they found it. How many of you found day-to-day -day living, you experienced some things you didn't expect? I did not expect this, but now it comes. Now, how are you going to frame it so that you can speak something that is not as if it were? And this is where they found themselves. But where they really missed it, and where they really caused a great tragedy for the people of God, is that in verse number 30, they didn't miss it in verse number 30, Caleb and Joshua said this, we are well able to possess the land. We are well able. Let, this just sounds good. Let's say it, I am well able. Tell your neighbor, I am well able. We are well able to do whatever the word of God and whatever the will of God says. But in verse number 30, 31, the other 10 spies, they weighed in. And they said, no, we are not able. Now, they didn't make a mistake by describing the land because God sent them out to describe the land. 
But what the mistake was, they came back and they saw something that they had not thought they were going to see. They saw something that they couldn't figure out how to overtake it. You've been there and done the same thing. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pray for my family? Uh, what, what am I going to do about my in-laws, my outlaws? What am I going to do about my mate? What am I going to do about my marriage? What am I going to do about my career? What am I going to do when this goes wrong? What am I going to do when that goes wrong? And then you experience them. Somebody wrote a book years ago. I love the title. When you're going through hell, don't stop. <laughs> Keep right on going. Speak the word of God and frame what you know is the will of God. Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. Joshua and Caleb, only two of the 12 spies that entered the land. Why? Because they frame the word of God. They believed that they were able to possess the land because God said, I am giving you the land. You are able to possess healing because God said you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. You are able to have a sound mind because God says you have the mind of Christ. You are able to overcome any situation based on your ability to bring the word of God and the will of God into that scene. But if you look at the situation and circumstance, then you can have a tendency to back away from where God wants to take you. When we lived in Tulsa, it was such an exciting atmosphere to be in there because of the people that seemed to live in that area. Uh, Kenneth Hagan, who founded Rama Bible Training Center, Oral Roberts, uh, Amy Simple, not uh, uh, Catherine Kuhlman used to live there, and 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 so there's there's so much spiritual activity that took place in that in that arena out there in Tulsa, and and uh, I love the story about how when Billy Joe got a vision for where the church should be in a pecan grove uh, across the street from Oral Roberts University, didn't know who owned it, found out who owned it, went to Oral Roberts, and Oral Roberts said, no, I'll never sell you that land. I don't know about you, but my respect level for Oral Roberts, if he told me something that's not going to happen, I would have a tendency to believe him, except that there is a higher source. Everybody say, there's a higher source. And through a long series of events, they decided to sell that land to Pastor Doherty. But also, I, I, it reminded me of a time when Oral Roberts had, was just starting out in ministry, and uh, he was the pastor of a church, and the church wasn't growing, and, and finances weren't coming in, and he, he didn't know what to do. And he was just laying, he told Evelyn, he said, Evelyn, I'm going to lay on the, on the floor in the living room, and I'm going to lay here till God speaks to me. And he just, he went in there, and he was there, I don't know how long he was there for, but he was thumbing through the Bible, and he came upon 3 John chapter 2. 3 John chapter 2 says this, Beloved, I desire that you prosper and walk in health even as your soul prospers. And he said, that when he read that in his books, when he read that, he called out to Evelyn and said, Evelyn, it is the will of God to prosper us. And he, she come running in and said, where does it say that in the Bible? They were brought up in a church that w w when they were raised where prosperity was just nothing you really sought after. It wasn't really that big of a deal one way or the other. Folks, prosperity is God's will. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper you. And when he, and he read that, that scripture, he said, it changed my entire life and ministry. 
and it brought me to the fullness of understanding. It is the will of God to prosper every single one of his children. It's the will of God to prosper you. It's the will of God to prosper me. And what we have to do is frame that prosperity. There are times in this church, our personal lives, and in other areas, I think one of the biggest challenges people face in the body of Christ is finances. I have seen where it looked like I was right on the edge of going off a cliff financially, that, you know, it just didn't look like it was working. But I knew I had to keep speaking the Word of God and framing the Word of God. And then some unexpected source came through, and all of a sudden, there's, there's that financial flow there available. God is always waiting to respond to what we're framing. He's, he's ready to respond to His Word. Everybody say, God responds, God responds. to His Word. So therefore, we get that word inside us and we begin to frame that word. And when we get that word framed, we begin to live that word. And that's what we begin to see. We don't look at the giants in the land. We don't look at the fortified cities. We don't look at our debt. We don't look at the fact that things aren't lining up in my family. We don't look at the, at the fact that my mind seems to be troubled sometimes. We don't look at the stress. We don't look at the anxiety. We frame what the word Word of God says. The Word of God frame says, be anxious for? Be anxious for nothing. So therefore, we're not going to be anxious for anything. The Word of God says that I am called to be blessed coming and to be blessed going. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, it's verses 57 and 58, it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the victory. So let's make this confession. I have have the victory. victory. Verse number 58 tells us what to frame in order to walk in the victory. Therefore, we are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What are we supposed to be? But what about the times when situations and circumstances are coming against us from being that? What are we supposed to be? When you get this frame in your mind, what you're doing is not putting a picture frame around it. You are setting in divine order God's divine order. It is the will of God that I prosper. It is the will of God you prosper. It is the will of God I have the mind of Christ. It is the will of God you have the mind of Christ. It is the will of God that I speak things that are not as if they were. It is the will of God you speak things that are not as if they were. Sometimes you can start to become weary in well-doing. Can I see the hands of all the people? You know somebody that from time to time feels weary and well-doing. But the Word of God says, Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap. So therefore, we frame and we set in divine order, I refuse to be weary. Tell your neighbor, I refuse to be weary. We set that in divine order. But wait a minute, I feel weary. No, no, you've got to set in divine order the will of God. I will not feel weary. 
and therefore you begin to speak that to yourself, you begin to live that, it begins to come to pass in your life because it's the will of God. It is the will of God to bless you in every single thing that you do. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, that, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy, make you think something that you shouldn't be thinking, but God came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. And that the abundant life is what God wants us to frame in our life. We, we get to the point in our life when we refuse to focus on what's not going right, but we focus on what is going right. Caleb and Joshua focused on the Word of God. God said He's given us the land, the issue is settled. The ten spies had the Word of God. They could have focused on the Word of God, but they focused on the giants. They focused on the things of the fortified cities. And they said, we are not able to go up against them. What they forgot was what did God say. They lost track of that. And sometimes we can begin to agree with the negative forces that are going on against us instead of framing. Remember, framing means setting in divine order. Setting in divine order what is the will of God. When you speak as an oracle of God, you are setting in divine order the same thing that God did when he birthed the earth and spoke forth the earth, and he framed it by setting it in divine order. So let's all say, we're going to do a little divine order right now. I have, I have the, mind of Christ. the mind of Christ. I'm anxious for nothing. I'm, anxious for nothing. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed, coming. I'm, blessed going. I'm blessed going. I can do all things, do all things. Through, Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's pretty easy to do in here. It's pretty easy to frame set in divine order what is the will of God. You're hearing the will of God from the pulpit. You're hearing the word of God in the worship. You're hearing the word of God in prayer. You're hearing the word of God from the people sitting around you. But how many of you realize you don't live here? You don't live in this church day in and day out. You live out on the highways and byways of life. And the devil is out there walking about as a roaring lion, seeking to get you to change your confession and not frame and set in divine order the will of God, but to come forth and think about what he's saying to you about things that aren't going to go right. Folks, I am preaching to myself today just like I'm preaching to you because there are so many times I just, it's like, oh God, I know, I know. And then I think, no, that wasn't God that said that. That was the enemy. That's the devil trying to make me feel bad about myself or trying to bring confusion or stress. You all have the same thing. That's why if we're going to speak forth and frame the word of God, then we're going to speak as an oracle of God in what he's called us to do. See, 3 John 2 is such a powerful scripture to get deep within your body. Oral Roberts set that, he used that as the foundation for his entire ministry. What he did when he, when he was coming down Lewis Avenue, I think it's, it's, it's somewhat ironic. He's coming down Lewis Avenue in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and one day he sees this field, and he believes that this field is where God is showing him to build the university, Oral Roberts University. At that time, he didn't even know how to build a university. Matter of fact, when he built the university, he didn't know how to do it. God built it. But he felt like God wanted him to build a university right after he was healed of tuberculosis in an evangelist crusade, evangelistic crusade. 
And he calls the people up that own the land. And they say, we're not going to sell that land and we'll never sell it to you. That's what he heard. You have a tendency to back off of something like that. I think it's really funny that that's the same thing he told Billy Joe, but it ended up that he sold him the land. Same, same scenario only years before. But what happened was, as time went by, all he knew was what God said. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know what God said. That's where a lot of us, myself included, we sometimes miss it. We, we know what God said, but we're looking at what's not going right. I know what God said. I know what God said about the land. I know what God said about my family. I know what God said about my finances. I know what I heard. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's what we frame. But sometimes you can kind of pull away from that. And Oral Roberts thought, well, I don't know how God's going to do it. The family says they're not going to sell the land, and they're definitely not going to sell to me, but I believe that's the land God has. And so he didn't sit around and sweat and become anxious and become worried and concerned. He just let it go, but he claimed that land, that it would be his land, and he walked that land, and he claimed that land for God, and that this was for God's glory. I don't know how long went by. I don't remember the story, but I think it was a few years. A few years went by, and he gets a call from the attorney for the family, and they say, look, they want to sell you the land now. They want to sell it right away, and it was lower than what he was going to pay for it in the first place, and it lowered, and he bought the land, and now there's a university sitting on a hill in Oklahoma that is impacting the entire world. Why? Because I believe one man would not let go of setting in divine order God's plan for that land and for that university. So when you think about framing, don't just think about a little frame you put around a picture. Think about, I am about to set in divine order the will of God, or I'm about to mess up God's divine order. Ten spies came back, and they said, yep, we saw the land. It's everything that God said it would be but. I know I've preached this before, but I'm going to say it again. We need to get our butt out of the way. So turn to your neighbor and say, you need to get your butts out of the way. No butts. If you know what God said, don't put any butts on it. The Word of God said it. That settles the issue. If God said it, then it is settled. And we speak things that are not as if they were. Therefore... We walk with 3 John 2. Beloved, I desire you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants your whole man to prosper. He wants your family to prosper. And he wants you to be everything that God has called you to be. Now remember this. Say, I, just say this for me. I'll never forget this. Now I want you to say this. When I open my mouth, I am about to do the most important thing, the most important thing for, God for God that I can do. I can do. I'm, going I'm going to set everything in divine order, everything in divine order as, an of as an imitator of God. Therefore, Therefore every, moment every moment when I speak, when I, speak I, have I have the power and the authority and the, authority and the, dominion, and the dominion of Almighty God. To birth something that will become something out of nothing. Does that make sense to all of you? Let's stand to our feet because what we've got to do is get a hold of the most important thing God has given us. And that is His Son Jesus, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and our voice as 
A man thinketh, so is he. We speak and confess the word of God, and God begins to move on that word. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know where you spend eternity? Maybe you're here. Maybe you've even been attending this church. But you've never asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You know you've drifted away from the things of God. God loves you, but God wants you to come home to Him. And if I've described you, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you all over this church. Yes, I see your hand right here, ma'am. I see your hand. Are there others? You say, pray for me, my life. My life is not right. I know I've drifted away from God. Yes, I see your hand all the way back there in the back, ma'am. And I see your hand all the way back there in the back also. Are there others? You say, I... You know, you may be here and you don't... Yes, I see your hand. You may be here and you might say, I don't even know what you're talking about. But if Jesus will help me, then that's what I want. I'm going to ask you to slip that hand in the air. All of you that lifted your hands over here, all the way back, maybe you didn't lift your hands, but you know you need to be here. Come on down to the altar right now. Give them a hand as they come. All the way back there in the back, David. All the way back there in the back. That lady all the way in the back chair. Sandy, all the way over there in that back chair. All the way in the back chair. Give them a hand as they continue to come. Yeah, keep keep applauding. This is what it is all about. We thank God for each of you. We thank God for each of you. We're glad that you're here today. Stretch your hands out toward these at this altar. It's the longest walk in the world, isn't it? Come on down here and hold my hand. I know. Stretch your hands out. Father, we thank you for these at this altar. We thank you for the plan, for the purpose, for their life. Thank you that this is a day of new beginning. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Now let's all pray this prayer together. Let this be the prayer of your heart, letting Jesus come in. Heal whatever needs to be healed. Remove whatever needs to be removed and set you free. Let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you called me to be. Father, I thank you for every one of these at this altar. Lord, that this is a day of restoration and a day of new beginnings. And I thank you for that. If you hold steady at this altar, we've got some counselors coming down here. Sandy, whoever's available, give us just go ahead and pray for these at this altar. Before we dismiss, I want to ask you this question. How many of you are facing things today very similar to what we prayed last week? 
where you really need to see a breakthrough. I want to see your hand. You're, you're in a situation. Get it up there really high because we want to pray for you. Well, you need a breakthrough. Now, believers looking all around, look at all the people with the hands are up. Make sure you get to somebody. Don't take your hand down. Right there, perpetual next to you, right here in this row, there in the second row on the end, in the middle section, right back here. Uh, yeah, Brenda, could you pray for this lady right here in the middle? Patrick over here on the side. Yeah, Don, you got Pat. Anybody we've missed? Now, Father, we speak the word of God. Lord, you know the breakthrough that is represented by each hand that is lifted here. I bind whatever the obstacle is. I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you are the God of the breakthrough. I pray that whatever it is, for some of you I feel in my spirit, is financial. Don't let go. God is going to bring a source to you that's going to take care of that need. I pray that every single person with their hand lifted, that thing is trying to become a weight in your life, and I pray that you'll let it go and that you lift it up to the Lord right now. Let go of it. It's become a distraction. Father, I thank you for the breakthrough in the name of Jesus. A breakthrough in every single person here that has their hand lifted. A breakthrough in Jesus' name. And one final word before we dismiss. I feel like this is a word for the Lord for all of us, but for some of you, definitely, you need to hear this. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast every care upon the Lord. And that those 10 spies, when they came back, the fact that they saw the giants and they saw the fortified cities didn't mean that they were bad people, but it meant that it took their attention. It distracted them from the real thing, which was the Word of God. God said, I'm giving you the land. That meant even though there are giants in the land, I'm giving you the giants. I'm giving you the fortified cities. And that we need to fortify ourselves by getting rid of every care. The word care means a distraction. It's something that takes your attention away from the Word of God from the framing of the Word of God, it causes you not to set something in order, but to speak something that is confronting you and letting it distract you from the real focus that we should have. Our focus is upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Could you say amen to that? Amen. So let's all say this. I refuse, I refuse to, be to be distracted by anything. By I speak the word, and I set in divine order as an imitator of God, His plan, His purpose for my life. Can you say amen to that? Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed.